0: Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror. Freddy, Jason, Mephisto, but who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the tear, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. As a kid, I hated reading. I always felt like I was being punished and I was being made to do something by a teacher or an adult that I didn't want to do. But as I'm getting older, I'm slowly learning to appreciate the value of a good book and a good story and just what it takes to make one of those things. Well, that's what I talked to this week's guest about. That and the importance of dressing for the job you want. But before we get to this week's guest, my buddy Paul P.K. Kingston came by. P.K. is a buddy of mine from Toronto, who's a part of the Second City Theater here in Hollywood, and he's also a published author. We talked a little bit about that before we got to Jacob. Enjoy the show. Thanks for doing this, buddy. I know hey, it's a uh, Short notice. And yeah, no worries. My pleasure. There. You have a lot to say about horror. I do. Uh, talk me through it. When did you start? When did you start it? Uh, liking it, and what were your first experiences with it?
1: Uh, okay, well, uh, I mean, I've always been into uh, horror, like just as an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I was a like young kid going to summer camp, it was like I always loved just sitting and listening to the ghost stories at the end of the night that your yeah. counselor would tell you, and it was just like that kind of thing. Uh, around the age of. 11 or 12, I want to say. I went up to my uncle's place in a a very, very small town, like barely even visible on a map called Lion's Head, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Uh, And anyway, I was up there uh, staying with him for the weekend on his farm. And my cousin uh, had basically like convinced her father. She was like, oh, I really want to get this Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I really want to rent it and watch it tonight. And of course, he knew nothing about it. So we ended up watching Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors that night. And that was pretty much the first horror movie i had ever actually like sat through and watched. And then, like later on that summer, I was at the cottage, and uh, and my other cousin uh, Drew. He basically he was a huge horror fan as well. So we just started watching more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And then slowly over time, it was just like I started realizing it was like I just really had an, uh, an affinity or an attraction to these movies. Uh, and it wasn't any sort of like set theme that I was chasing. Like I wasn't like big on ghost stories or, or only possession stories or anything like that. It was just the general idea of fear. right? Uh, and i just always found that really appealing because it's like fear. It's like, it, it takes you down to your most like primal state. You know, it's like, you could be a dude who's like seven, two weighing like, you know, 450. And you could walk into a haunted house, get surprised and you will legitimately scream like <clears throat> a 12 year old girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And vice versa, you know, it's like, there are 12 year old girls who Who go in a haunted house and they'll be the bravest people in that room uh and it's just like it's amazing because it's just like especially nowadays in a a world where social media puts up all these fronts right Mm -hmm. and we all play these roles online of what our life is supposed to be like uh but when it comes down to fear it's like it strips all that away and it's the one neutralizer you know uh it just really really sort of gets people to their core
0: any uh any Favorites? Anything that personally resonates with you, or that you can relate to?
1: I mean, I'm, I've always been a massive fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, uh, partly because it was one of the first ones I saw, but also because it was just like Freddy Krueger was the perfect marriage of comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. And of course, my, with my career that eventually moved towards comedy, uh, it was just like the perfect sort of bridge between the two. You know, it was like uh, I think one of my favorite moments. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Dream Warriors. Uh, my, one of my favorite moments was uh, one of the guys uh, is like jumping around the house. You know I think about it. maybe Freddy's dead but uh, either way one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies uh, there's a whole scene where this guy is basically sucked into a TV into a Nintendo game like original Nintendo
0: with the power glove yeah and then it comes to Freddy Krueger yeah, and yeah. he's
1: got his like cl- his knife glove or whatever and he's like playing it like a power glove yeah, yeah. and saying now you're playing with power and using the actual quotes from the commercials and everything <laughs> like this and I was just <laughs> right, sitting right. there like this t- right. ner- nerdy little kid just being like oh my god he gets me Yeah, and like, and then yeah but then you fast forward like a whole bunch of years uh and i was uh, working at second city in toronto and uh weirdly had the day off because it was a time where i was working like six seven days a week sometimes mm-hmm. uh and i got a call from my buddy who was working and he was just like freddie's here and i was like freddie who, who the hell are you talking about he's like freddie krueger is here at second city yeah so i literally grabbed my copy of nightmare on elm street one sprinted down to second city which was like a half hour walk from my apartment at the time yeah and sure enough Robert Englund is sitting right there on the balcony. got to chat with him for like 20 minutes about the movie, about second city. He's apparently a huge fan of improv. Uh, he shows
0: up at second city or uh, he used to anyways, yeah. I guess quite a bit.
1: Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. He, he even told me the whole story where he was just like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I used to bring my, uh, my first wife to second city in Toronto. Every time I was in town, we used to watch the old SCTV cast performing on the old fire hall stage and all this yeah. sort of thing. And like the dude is like a full on improv nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we're sitting there, we're chatting with him and then we. Uh, basically uh, the intermission before the uh, improv set ends. And we like we basically had to part ways, and I just like had this moment of nerd freak out, and I was like, uh, "Do you mind if we do like a photo and autograph afterwards?" And yeah, so he's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, of course, whatever, man, sure, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're sitting there for the improv set, and probably one of my favorite moments, and I still describe this to people as a nightmare coming true, uh, <laughs> is basically I'm sitting there, and the the main stage cast is on stage, and they ask for a suggestion for your favorite genre of film, and all of a sudden, from across the aisle, I hear Robert Englund scream out in the Freddie voice torture porn <laughs> um, <laughs> like this and literally it, it was the up. inspiration for the entire improv set and it was just it was absolutely amazing
0: i hear he is a super nice guy absolutely uh yeah. and I, I think we've talked about it on here before but the fact that he does show up at second city quite a bit oh my god yeah, yeah. uh in chicago i guess <laughs> I, I i wasn't there but i've heard this story i forget who it was from but i guess he would come to a show and get completely hammered yep. and oh, yeah go backstage and then very complimentary and like not being mean at all, but would say what he liked about the show, what he didn't, and then sort of like throw out notes. To oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love
1: it. Well, and, and I mean, the funny part is too, is it's like, I mean, none of that has changed too. Right. Cause, cause I actually ended up getting a great photo that night of mm-hmm. uh, him and me. Uh, basically he, like he, we get there for the photo after the improv set, had ended. Yeah. Uh, and he was just like, he just leans over to me. And it, at that point I could start smelling the wine on his breath. Sure. Yeah. Uh And he just turns to me, he's just like, what do you want? The claws and the tongue? Great. Okay." Right. Like a sort of thing, and then if yeah. you zoom in on the picture that I have still on my Facebook profile, but if you zoom in on the picture really, really closely, you can see his tongue is like a deep shade of purple. I love uh, it, and just like just stained with red wine. Uh, but it, just such a nice guy, so approachable, so so welcoming, and just yeah.
0: All those guys seem to be yeah, because they're all just a bunch of dorks. percent. Oh, like, I mean, I used to have this dream when I was a kid that I was friends with Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Uh, I was bullied. And hey, basically, I wanted to kill everybody. <laughs> um, but through this show, we got to be, we're, we're sort of friends with Derek Mears now. Oh, wow. Who, who's Jason. Yeah, in, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, Jason in the remake. Uh-huh. Super nice guy. Wow. We sat in the, we're recording in Second City in Hollywood and we we sat in this office and just talked for like an hour and a half about all the dork stuff that he loved as a kid and how excited he is to do what he does now because oh, he was like us, essentially, when he was a yeah. kid. So they're all super nice, and it's such a fun, welcoming community. Well, and, and that's the
1: thing, too, is that it's like, w- when it comes to ho- the horror industry, it's like, you know, so many people shun it away, because like, from a distance, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, they don't, they don't invest the time towards it, and then they just look at it, and it's like, oh, it's all gross stuff, and just violence, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it's like, you know, they're only doing this to scare children, and so on and so forth. And it's like, I mean, even when I was a kid, and I started showing my interest in horror movies, my own mom told me, it's like, oh, why do you watch that stuff? You know that's made by a bunch of angry old men who sit around a table discussing really? how to scare children. Amazing. And I literally sat there and yeah. was like, that sounds like a dream job. Yeah, like, it sounds great. Okay that's what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so sure enough, like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where like, yeah, people just have a tendency to sort of push it away without knowing what it is. But ultimately it's like the whole purpose of horror is to cut right down to the core of humanity and find like the darkest parts of who we are. Yeah. Uh, and appeal to that. And as a result of that, it's like the people who work in that industry inherently have to be nice. They have to know people. Yeah. They have to understand how people work and, and how to uh, converse and exist with them. Uh, so it's, yeah. study them and then play them you know and it's like whether it's acting writing producing directing whatever the case might be if you don't understand humanity
0: you can't do horror it's an outlet too right i mean i don't know i'm just yeah. like it feels you know people like us who probably i don't know bullied uh angry yeah a lot of the time absolutely, you know, like absolutely. it's a, sort of like an outlet of you know oh, for i sure. don't want to yeah. you know i don't want to hurt anybody but i want to Get it out, yeah. right? So you do it like with that or well, heavy metal music. Or well, and I'll put
1: know? and I'll put it this way: I mean, going back to like most of the eighties and nineties slasher flicks, there's a reason why it's always the popular kids who are the victims. <laughs> I'm just right, saying, right? Right, right. Because right, yeah. it's like because yeah, ninety yeah. percent of the time, it's like this stuff is made by the yeah. guys who were the outcasts and the nerds who are sitting on the the <laughs> right, periphery, right? And being like, yeah, what am I going to do to this football captain? <laughs> right. You know, it's just like fuck that guy, right? right. uh But yeah, it's, yeah,
0: Yeah. So it's just one. That's of those. what I didn't like about Cloverfield. Did you? Uh, I did, yeah. I uh, I didn't care that it was a bunch of rich New yeah. York yuppies who were 100%. having it, like you have a great life. Yeah, are you, there's no problem with your life oh whatsoever. My god. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I wanted them all to die. Absolutely. But the best part of it was T.J. Miller. Yeah, <laughs> which which says a lot too, because
1: it's like <laughs> mm. you know. But yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It's it's, it's it is definitely interesting to see like uh, nowadays when like currently when when new horrors are being put out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely been a bit of a shift because it's for sure been popularized. Sure. Uh, and, and now it's become a trendy style of film once again. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, yeah, it's definitely missing a little bit of that angle of like the, the very frustrated eighties and nineties, you mm-hmm. know, built by nerds for nerds kind of thing.
0: And yeah, it's backed. I mean, I, not back, but I, I like, you know, now with this all like Jordan Peele stuff, mm-hmm. like the social oh my god which yeah. was always yeah. there. It just, yeah. now it's so you know, oh my god, out I, there. Like I, I front idolise that man.
1: He's great. Uh the, the simple fact that he has come from sketch comedy and moved into writing horror and yeah. like per, like really good horror too. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just I, I love that man's work. What yeah, a like, fucking no. Oscar. Yeah. And and I hope he wins more. Fuck uh that, dude. yeah. Seriously, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you already had Key and Peele. yeah I Back get it, off. dude. Yeah, you, yeah. Isn't it enough? Leave some <laughs> for the rest, you know? Uh you, again, something I wanted to talk about uh, quick before we have to uh, talk to uh, Well, I'll tell you who we're talking to in a second. Mm-hmm. You're a published author. I am, talk yes. Talk to me about uh, that.
1: Yeah, uh, so basically uh, uh, when I was back in Toronto about to move down to L.A., um, I was trying to write my first, uh, horror screenplay, uh, mm-hmm. and I was desperately trying to like get that pumped out so I could build up a portfolio before coming down here and have something to show people. Uh, anyway, long story short, uh, the opening scene, uh, that I had like crystal clear in my mind and it was like, it was, I'd been sitting on it for a long, long time, uh, was basically one guy walking down the street by himself. And so from an acting perspective, every time I tried to write that opening scene, it was just like stage directions, stage directions, stage directions, stage directions, directions. one line of dialogue, stage directions. And so it's like, even just looking at the paper, I was like this reads like a novel. Mm-hmm. Like this is absolutely horrid and like all this stuff like this. And yeah, you know, it's like some actors would say, Oh, what a gift you're letting me explore it. Right. Uh, but from my mind's be- my mindset, I was just like, I don't want to hand this off and just assume somebody could do this. Yeah. Uh, so I kept, I kept sitting there and just like rewriting it, rewriting it, rewriting it until eventually I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to write this in a literary style and see what I can pull from it and turn it into a script. And then sure enough, I finished that first scene, uh, and wrote it as the prologue for the book. And next, Thing I know it's like, you know, I, I sat there, I was like, God, I really like it like this. And then I met a friend who uh, works for this website called Wattpad. Uh, and Wattpad is like basically, uh, for those that don't know, is like a, a online platform for up and coming literary writers. Uh, and so I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I guess I could upload it there for free just to sort of see if there's any interest or whatever. And within like a week and a half, I had it like 100 reads. Uh, and so I was just like, oh my God, okay, maybe I should write the next chapter just to see where it goes. So I mm-hmm. wrote the next one, and then the next one, and the next one, and fast forward. and 40- You did it piece by piece? Yeah, piece by piece, yeah. uploaded chapter by chapter, uh, and then fast forward a couple of years, and I had 42 chapters up there in a full book. Uh, and then next thing I know, I went back and did a second draft of it, and this was now. I was in L.A. at that point, so I had nothing but time to burn, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all yeah. know how many auditions you get in your first year of being oh, in L.A. Buddy. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Uh, anyway, got a lot of TV watched Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> anyway long story short so I, I basically did the edits on the second draft and re-uploaded it online and, uh, and yeah now I, I don't know what it's at today but I know it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 360 some odd thousand reads uh, it's now been included in part of the paid stories program on Wattpad which is basically you can go and read the first six chapters for free and then have to pay to read beyond that uh, I've now written my second novel uh, and put it up on Wattpad as well and that one's almost at 20,000 Uh, and yeah, so it's just like it's it's great, and it's just sort of taken
0: off, man, and yeah, that's great. But I'm always I'm constantly surprised at just how prolific you are about (laughs) everything. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, Thank you. What's it like? What's the process like? Is it mind numbing, soul crushing? What's it, it like? Because I've never be. done it.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, it, it definitely can be, but it's also it can also be a really cathartic kind of thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I mean, as creators, you know, it's like we always love to just dump that creative weight that's sitting in our brain. You know, it's like every once in a while you get that idea in the shower or while you're sitting on a bus or sitting in traffic or something like that, right, and right. just be like, "God, I gotta get this out of here!" Right. Uh, and so you just have a tendency to dump it, right? But then over a while, it's like it starts. It almost starts driving itself at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you really, really invest the time into the characters and everything like that, then they almost tell you where they need to go and what needs to happen next. Uh, I mean, granted for the overarching theme of the first one, it was very much like a biblical apocalypse. So I had to do a bunch of research cause I'm not a very religious person. Uh, so I had to do a bunch of research to sort of go through the Bible, uh, go through book of revelation specifically, oh, that's uh, and find, <laughs> and find, uh, a bunch of like details in there because my whole argument that was behind it essentially was that, uh, I wanted to sort of shift the semantic debate. Uh, on the Mm -hmm. Bible and say like this book has been translated hundreds of times Uh, it's been updated uh, like a good handful of times over the over centuries and what are the chances that somebody has misread this or misinterpreted it or mistranslated And, and, and so anyway I basically went through and like found all these little semantic moments that could be argued in a different way and Sure enough, long story short, that part of it was very, very frustrating because you're sitting there and just being like, okay, what could this mean? Mm, (laughs) Uh, But as far as like the general story itself goes, it was like, yeah, it, it definitely started to sort of just blossom like a flower and just sort of release its own ideas within the ideas that I had. Uh, and in the end of it, it's like by the time you finish it, it's like you really do look back at it and go, Oh my God, this is like, I can't believe I just did that. You know, yeah. it was like I, I was more surprised than anybody <clears throat> that I had written a book. Like if you told me I was going to be a novelist five years ago, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. You know? it's like, <laughs> uh, but now it's just like, the it's, fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. But now it's like, I, I love it. I mean, granted, no, I have not turned over a screenplay now and I've been down in LA for two years. But ultimately, at the same time, it's like I've discovered this whole range of writing that I never knew I was able to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, I actually really enjoy it too.
0: I think like, that yeah. the, the fact that you wrote a book, you do a show mm-hmm. and, you know, auditions and everything else that you yeah. do in two years, I, I, if I'm learning this correctly, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy
1: with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wish it was a little bit more lucrative for of sure. Course. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we all wish everything of was course. more lucrative. Yeah. Uh, but no, but it's definitely, uh, I feel creatively satisfied for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing
0: about moving out of here is because now we have friends who are rich. Yeah. It's
1: like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm watching, like, some of our friends down here, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know. I just bought a house. Right, and right. And I'm just yeah, yeah. like, great, cool. Yeah. I'm going back to my one-bedroom apartment where the yeah. floor is freezing yeah like yeah
0: great. i drive by a uh, one of our friends sets on burbank all the time yeah. i see it yeah, yeah. That, it's like, god damn it like, oh yeah absolutely. i mean it's great for them but yeah you know
1: i mean the upside of it is though is that anytime you put one of those friends into one of your instagram stories then immediately your account blows up oh, so there yeah, you go totally, so yeah. it's like you know i can piggyback i'm building a, a career
0: of being friends with other <laughs> with famous rich people <laughs>
1: Hey, I gets you there. Right? Hey, man. Yeah, anything whatever works. In. Uh, Wattpad. Is that what it is? Yes. Wattpad. So it's W-A-T-T-P-A-D. It's like the watts of a light bulb and pad that you write on.
0: And the name of your story? Well, the uh, name, of your name, name
1: of my first novel is Goats from Lambs. And then my follow up novel, which is completely unconnected to the first one is Butterflies in Glass
0: Cases. Go read those. Go check it out uh pk thank you so much for coming by buddy this is so fun uh i would love to keep talking to you all day but we got to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk to jacob appleby from the literary world that we were just talking about yeah he's going to come by hey neighbors adam and nate here to talk to you about patreon now, this podcast is possible due to our Patreon patrons and you can become one by going to patreoncom myneighborsaredead. Supporting the show on Patreon's easy.
1: You pay what you can and in return you get My Neighbors Are Dead merch, behind the scenes info on how we make the show, a shout out on future episodes and more.
0: You may be wondering what we use this money for? Well, we use it for things like production costs, website hosting, traveling for the show and our monthly meds. We are both severely medicated. Sad but true. Now podcasting isn't
1: cheap, and we appreciate any help you can give. If you'd like to see how you can help out the show, go to patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead. Thanks for listening, and now
0: back to the show. Uh thank you for doing this. Um everything you got everything you need right now or yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, and yeah. did you find the yeah. place okay?
1: uh Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Hollywood Boulevard is uh, not not the nicest uh, neighborhood to be wandering. Agreed. In, but, you know, yeah, it's, it'll do. It's it'll a, do.
0: it's a toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking to Jacob Appleby yes uh, you my friend we I was just talking to my buddy PK you work in the literary world I do, I do. what is that like because you're well I'll let you fill me in
1: well I uh, for years I was working as the uh, the assistant to uh, Jackson Harglow at Arcane publishing I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar no oh, yeah uh, he was the uh, lead publisher uh, for the Sutter Kane novels yeah uh, and yeah so I, I spent a good handful of years working for Jackson and uh, it, it was uh, qu- quite a pl- quite a pleasure and privilege I must say
0: want to talk about all of that but let's start at the beginning what got you in interested in working in the literary world
1: well to tell you the truth uh i was more so interested in uh uh, just trying to find a way into the publishing sector you know it was it was uh it was less about the writing itself it was more about the uh being able to anchor myself to somebody who was creating sure yeah you know yeah uh because frankly uh I, I find the the creation process to be a little contrived at times. You know, people are always trying to sell something. Uh, whereas I just wanted to be somebody who was a part of the process, somebody who brought something to the people.
0: Oh, okay. You know? So you're bringing the th- you want to get the thing that's already created. You want it to be created already, then you want to just get it to everybody. Absolutely. I think that's Absolutely. great. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, consider me the mailman
1: or the messenger, if you will. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But really, really, you know, really sort of focused on giving the people what they want as opposed to giving some sort of self-serving creative what they want. You so know what I'm,
0: drew you to uh, Arcane Publishing?
1: Well, Arcane Publishing had a great reputation to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Sutter Kane is, is uh, somewhat of a, a decent horror writer, I would say sure you know uh, uh, he's definitely added some effect on his fan base uh, you know I, I personally was not a huge fan of his early work but I was a big fan of uh, mr. Harglow and uh, and the way that he sort of approached the publication process you mm-hmm. know uh, very cutthroat gentleman uh, very very put together uh, always wearing his three-piece suits uh, you yeah. know is just it, just the the picture of success if you
0: I always felt like that was a lot of work not just for him but for anybody who wears a suit all the time. Mm. That's all, you got to have a lot of suits. Well, you got to put in the work if you want to get the pay, right? So, I guess that's true, yeah. yeah. Where do you fall on suits? Three-piece, two-piece? I mean, personally,
1: I'm of the same schooling as as Mr. Harglow. You know, it's like I, I always want to look my best. You know, as the old saying goes, dress for the job you want. Yeah. Right? So I would always show up in three-piece suits. I, in fact, showed up for my interview in a three-piece suit you look knowing great. that it would appeal towards him. So, and I,
0: what I like about you is that I told you you did not have to dress up.
1: Oh, this is not dressed up.
0: This is not dressed no, up? Dress, it
1: gets better than this? Oh, dressed up would be... Full black tie, tails, the whole deal. you That's know. Putting on the morning suit, as they used to refer to
0: it. <laughs> the morning suit? The morning suit, yes. There, I, and I'm not asking this to be a smartass. Mm. Are there different suits for parts of the day? Of course there are. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So look, you, there's an afternoon suit, a
1: dinner suit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the morning suit, typically you want to wear a low-cut vest... Uh, it's going to be generally the same color as your tuxedo shirt okay. and your bow tie will generally tie into that whole color scheme. Of course, you'll have the tails at the back. You know, it's it's very classy, almost a, almost a regal style tuxedo, if you will. Oh yeah. Uh, whereas the afternoon suit is because obviously the sun is at the highest point in the sky. You want to lower a little bit on layers. So you lose the vest. You keep the shirt, you keep the bow tie, but you get a little bit of a thinner jacket, more of a linen feel to it. You know,
0: that's way more thought than I put into it. And oh, I course. feel bad now. No. Well, you should. <laughs> I'm a Marshall's guy. I'm just whatever's on sale. I just, you know,
1: I, I've met your kind before and, <laughs> and I, I, I understand. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you truly want to embrace the possibility of life, you need to dress for every occasion.
0: I'm really going to relook at how I dress now. Cause I have a lot of t-shirts and jeans.
1: It's one way of looking at things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you dress for the job you want. I like yes. that. I like yes. that. Maybe that's why I am where I am in life. Is I'm just not dressing for the job that I want. I mean, I'm not going
1: to say it's. I'm not going to say it's helping you for yeah. sure. But yeah, yeah. I yeah, will have to look at
0: that. I could mm-hmm. use a few more ducats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're at Arcane Publishing. You're yes. working with Mr. Harglow. Uh, what is that like? What is the general atmosphere of, of Arcane Publishing? What What, what is the What is a day to day for you?
1: Well, I mean, uh, similar to the way that Mr. Harglow addresses, I mean, he runs a very tight ship. Everything mm-hmm. is very polished. Everything has its place. Uh, you know, the average day for me would be uh, showing up at approximately 530 in the morning to make sure that Mr. Harglow's uh, coffee and breakfast are set up and ready to go. I make sure that the uh, most recent issues of the manuscripts have been placed on his desk in the order in which he likes to read them, yeah. which of course is alphabetically. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, I have my random list, uh, list of tasks and duties I need to perform over the course of the day, make sure all the departments are delivered Delivering any of the information that Mr. Harglow requires, I sort of consider myself to be a bit of an interdepartmental liaison, if you yeah. will. You know, uh, I jump from the publicity uh, section over to the publishing section, over to the marketing section. You know, everybody knows my name and they know who I am and they know who I work for. So it definitely, uh, definitely helps in that regard. I'm sort of the uh, the face, if you will, of the behind the scenes of Arcane Publishing. I
0: got to tell you, I really admire how how like just. Studious, you are to your job just how like attention to detail that you have Well, I mean you don't really have a choice in this kind of industry you know it's I hear it's pretty cutthroat it is quite cutthroat so talk to me a little bit about the I mean I, I don't even know if this is a touchy subject or, or what but talk to me a little bit about the whole Sutter Kane incident
1: I mean, it's not a touchy subject for me as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my opinion, I think it was one of the greatest publicity moves we've ever made at Arcane Publishing.
0: It's pretty ballsy.
1: Well, some would say so, sure. Others would say, look at the sales that turned over, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got one of the top horror novelists in the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has pumped out seven uh, seven books up to that point. Uh, We were about to release his eighth and final novel. In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness was going to be his eighth and final novel. Uh, and we were sitting there and, you know, we, we, he already had a great following, a great readership, a great base of fans. Uh, sure. Some of those fans were a little less stable, a little less put together, uh, not necessarily the most mentally capable individuals, if I may say so. Uh, but ultimately in the end, uh, I mean, how do you appeal? How do you pull in that new audience? How do you tweak people's interest, you know, mm-hmm. and the best way you can do that is to take somebody who is such a prolific writer and Make them disappear Create the mystery yeah. for the fans to figure out.
0: Yeah, right And is there sort of like a uh, like a McDonald's monopoly thing where you can kind of play along with it or or what do you do? You I'm, just I'm not of... familiar with McDonald's monopoly. Oh, it's I'm the sorry. best you go and you get like a value meal and they give you like little McDonald's uh, monopoly pieces and if you build out a board you win prizes See. The grand prize being if you get Boardwalk and Park Place, you could think you get a million bucks. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that suits some people. Uh, no, I, I, what I would say
1: is that it, it was less of a, a scavenger hunt for, for the fans, more of a, an, att- an attempt to sort of pull in the press, you know, get a little bit more uh, publicity behind it yeah. for free. You know, uh, as, as you know, uh, any publicity is good publicity in this game. Of course. Uh, and while we could push, you know, we could push the hell out of any book that we're publishing, we could market it. We could put on, you know, TV commercials. We could put radio ads. We could, you know, uh, put out print ads as much as we want, but it's only going to hit a certain market. Yeah. When you start involving the regular day-to-day news, when you make prime time news broadcasts, that's where you hit the heart of the matter that's where you start affecting families when you have children sitting down to eat dinner with their parents and finding out that a man has gone missing it terrifies them they start asking questions and then their parents start wondering what did happen to sutter king
0: is that normal dinner time conversation of course
1: really Well, in my home, we always watched the night news. You know, I I personally grew up on a steady diet of uh, uh, suspicions of communism, uh, 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 murder mysteries. Yeah. uh, All these sorts of things. And my parents were always very candid about how the world really was. That's a lot for a kid. Well, some would say it's a lot for a kid. Some would say it builds perspective and character.
0: How old were you when this was going on? Approximately eight. That's very young. Yes. (laughs) That's very young. Uh, Do you take that with you to school? Like, what is, I mean, that must inform your worldview in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, here's the
1: thing. Here's the thing is that life can be fragile, right? It's no secret. Life can be fragile. And ultimately at the end of each day, if you do not value the fragility of life, then you do not understand the purpose of life.
0: That's Wow that's pretty profound.
1: So if as a child at eight years old, of course, I wanted to know more about this. I wanted to understand about these children that fell into wells, you know, uh, uh, uh what would that life be like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, how would you change your clothes in a well, right? How would you stay stylish? Uh, how would you appeal to, you know, the, the mindset of a mass murderer, you know, how did they dress? How yeah. did they
0: live? You know? I'm really starting to reevaluate my life here because when I was eight, all I really wanted to do was play baseball. Wow. Well, but here I sit and here you sit and I think the proof is in the pudding. To each their own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, uh, any inkling that maybe Sutter Kane was trying to bring about the end of the world I mean, did you, anything lead towards that? I mean, I mean pretty... there
1: there were conversations surrounding that, but it was always just speculation. I mean, it, I, I mean, how is an author really going to bring the end of the world around? It seems right? ridiculous, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, yes, he would, he was a great world builder. Yeah. Uh, from what I heard from some of his uh, more involved editors and, and publicists, you know, they said there was some, definitely some affectation uh, from his books on the lesser minded readers. Uh, obviously there was that whole issue with his age agent uh where uh he was shot in the middle of the day of uh, while wielding an axe after murdering his family but you know i mean those those are people who don't understand how the world works you yeah. know uh these are the fragile people i'm telling him telling you about where they just they don't understand the gravity of the day-to-day life the grind if you will
0: i think unfortunately though you know the the amount of with with which it happens when people use those as an excuse to do bad things i think it really waters down the true moments when that actually happens like oh my god i shot the president because a book told me to Mm. you know like i think when you make up lies like that it really waters down somebody who is that powerful of an author who can bring forth the end of the world but again i mean it begs the question is that in fact possible right i mean Uh, sure sure,
1: you could you could have an author that creates a work that's as convincing as possible and maybe maybe that work inspires some action as a result of the fans right yeah but it is not going to lead to a global collapse you know, I, yeah. I, I mean, uh, frankly, I mean, another individual who was unfortunately subject to, uh, to uh, Sutter Cain's uh, manipulation, if you will, uh, was uh, John Trent. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. the insurance investigator of that we brought in, which of course was part of the publicity stunt. We were merely mm-hmm. just trying to bring in a freelance insurance investigator to just, you know, go out there and spread this rumor that we had lost this author. You guys right? really went full tilt with well, this. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that you either go all in or you don't go in at all, right? Uh-huh. Uh, don't sit down at the poker table if you're not willing to lose all the chips that's you know yeah Absolutely, but but point being is that when we brought in this John Trent individual, you know, he he seemed like a uh, level-headed individual. He seemed like a critical mind. He seemed like somebody who would help to push our narrative forward. Yeah. And then, of course, would come back once the book had been released, and he would simply just be like, "This was an excellent choice," you know. Yeah. Th- this w- what a you duped me, if you will, you know. <laughs> uh, none of us were expecting the result that actually did happen. Uh, Are you allowed to talk about that? I I mean, technically, I'm on a on NDA. But now that you know, Arcane Publishing is no longer. I, I feel I can discuss this in the open. I guess. Sure. Uh, but uh, yes. Uh, so John Trent did come back from his investigation uh, towards the missing of uh, the disappearance of Sutter Kane, uh-huh. and sure enough, uh, he seemingly had created his own narrative along the way. Uh, something involving a woman that he referred to as Linda, I believe it oh, was. yeah, Linda, yeah. Uh, Linda, who was supposedly some sort of editor that had gone with him. I I had worked for Arcane for nearly eight years by that point and i had never met a woman named linda yeah you guys her in
0: full denial mode at that point well right?
1: it, i it was you can't deny something that never happened well, that is right? very true yeah. uh so i was merely speaking my truth as was everyone at arcane publishing but uh but this linda lady that he claims was sent on this investigation with him uh and of course never came back because frankly, she never existed. Right. Uh, but when Mr. Trent came back, uh, I, I frankly, I guess I had overestimated his ability to remain uh, uh, cognizant of his, you know, of his sanity. Yeah. Uh, he he clearly was one of the weaker minded readers. And it was unfortunate that we hadn't spotted it ahead of time. But as I said before, you know, to each their own.
0: You never really know somebody, do you? Well, I guess not you know yeah. you I never really not. know somebody yes uh I, i'm i'm just curious and i don't mean to divert too hard but you seem again so passionate about what you do so mm-hmm. but you like you know crossing the t's and dot in the i's mm-hmm. where does that re- leave room in your life for any personal time are you like relationships what do you do for fun i mean to tell you the truth i i, I loved my job while i still had it before yeah.
1: arcane publishing closed i w- i loved my job i was married to my job that that was that was the only relationship i really needed sure uh, married to the work of course yes yes, yes. Uh, i mean you know some people in this life they they seek companionship they seek validity through a significant other uh, i personally just sought validity through success uh frankly why would i want to share that with somebody else if i was the only one who built it yeah you know What's yours is yours. Exactly. I I get that. Exactly. I get that big time. And I mean, I've seen, you know, countless celebrities out there who, you know, they go and they get married because they're seeking that companionship, that partnership, and then they get taken for half of their earnings, you know, because it was all just a charade.
0: Again, you never really know somebody. Exactly. Uh, where you? Where'd you end up? Where are you at now? Uh, cur- what can we keep an eye out for you? Currently, I am
1: uh, actually uh, beginning my own publishing company. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, we're very, very new to the scene. Uh, uh, but we are hoping to perhaps catch on to this sort of tail end of this whole Sutter Kane thing uh and dive into the gap that has been created by arcane publishing within the horror industry uh we have yet to book any writers okay uh everybody seems very caught up on this whole aftermath of the sutter kane disappearance sure. not to mention the recent spike in suicides and mass murders as a result of sutter kane's final novel but nonetheless yeah you know we're, we're pushing forward and we've we've got a hope for a very bright
0: future so. hey no press is bad press exactly i mean i think you should you should ride that horse while you can especially while the are taught you know? absolutely uh uh, can people submit to you? Can we, uh, if, if we have people out there who are listening who might want to uh, submit novels or Absolutely. manuscripts to your company?
1: Yes, for sure. Uh, so, if they wanted to reach out to our company, they can uh, reach out to mm-hmm. us via email for submissions. Uh, we prefer if they send a full manuscript. And when I say full manuscript, I say minimum 600 pages typed, single spaced, 12 point font, uh, preferably Times New Roman font because mm-hmm. that's easiest on the eyes. But if you choose Arial, that'll work. Sure. Uh, yes, you can send. send. Send it to info at
0: applebypublishing.ca.
1: .ca. Uh We are currently based out of Canada, based on property
0: value and so on and so forth. Love Canada. Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, that's great. If you have a manuscript, 600 pages. 600 pages minimum. Get it to Appleby Publishing. Yes. And like, I I would never condone this or Mm. what I suggested, but if you happen to kill yourself after reading one of these books, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, we're already overpopulated as it is. the herd. Jacob, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock. The show was produced by myself and Nate Dufort with editing done by Nate Dufort. Original music was composed by Jesse Case with additional music by Dane Halverson. Our artwork was done by Mark Nishan. Jacob Appleby was played by Paul P.K. Kingston. You can catch P.K. as a member of the Canuck is Fuck show at Second City Hollywood running Saturdays at 7 o'clock. If you'd like to support My Neighbors Are Dead while getting unique swag and a look behind the scenes of how we make the show, go to patreon.com slash myneighborsaredead. No amount is too small and every bit helps. If you have yet to rate and review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a second to do so now. It helps us grow and it helps new neighbors find the show. And you can find us on Facebook and at Instagram at myneighborsaredead and on Twitter at mydeadneighbors. Stop by, give us a follow, and share your favorite episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.